I have an idea for a stand-up bit, but like it's like observational. And I don't really do observational stuff in my stand-up. I mostly like tell stories. And then like you can slip in other stuff and kind of go on tangents. But I feel like I'm not good at just like, hey guys, have you ever noticed? Like I'm not, I'm not good at that. But I have an idea for a bit. I don't think I would ever, I don't think I'll ever be able to like make it funny or like perfect it, but I have to share it somewhere. So I'm, I have to tell you what this stupid thing is. And it's just about like how scary it is to have to wake someone up. Like if you are somewhere and someone has fallen asleep and you don't know them that well, so you don't know like how deep of a sleeper they are and you have to gradually intensify your wake up strategy. Cause like you don't, you don't want to like the worst feeling in the world or a bad feeling. It's not the worst. I mean, there are worse feelings like watching someone get murdered that would, or, or being murdered. That would be a worse feeling, but a bad feeling is startling someone who is like, you wake someone up and they're like, <gasps> like that. Oh man, that does not feel good to do that to someone like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you, you want to start off super subtle. Someone is asleep. Hey, Hey, and like maybe not even touch them. You just like, hey, let's Brad. I'm at Brad Pitt's house and he's taking a nap. And we have to go because we have tickets to a thing. Brad Pitt and I are hanging out at his house. <laughs> we have tickets to go see a movie together. And he is falling asleep and I have to wake him up. I don't want to, we don't know each other that well. I don't want to make Brad Pitt mad. I don't want to freak him out. So I'm just, hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Brad, and then they're not awake and you realize like, oh no, they're pretty deep. Like I have to, I have to, I have to take up the intensity a little bit, but you don't want to, you don't want to go, Hey Brad. And then all the like jump to like shaking them and being like, Brad, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that because that's going to make them mad. So you want to, you want like best case scenario. They're like, uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And like, oh, very like easy going. So like, you're like, Hey Brad. And then maybe like you add like a little, a little nudge, like boop. And then that doesn't work. You're like, Brad, Brad, Brad. And then like, how, like just knowing like, how far do I, how far do I have to take this? Like how, how loud do I have to get? How hard do I have to push them? That's, that's it. That's all I have. Just like, just that, the having to gradually intensify how you wake someone up and how just stressful it is. How, how far do I go? How loud do I need to do? Do I, what do I, ah, man, that's the worst. I had a roommate. I've had a couple of roommates that like snored super hard and it would be like, if they would fall asleep before me, it would be so hard for me to go to sleep. So I would try to think of ways that I could like wake them up, but not have it not be clear that I was the one, like I would just like bang on the wall really hard and then like lay down hoping that me banging on the wall would wake them up and I would be able to like fall asleep before they can fall back to sleep. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Look, I'm look, I'm never going to do this bit <laughs> probably, but it's just a thought that I've had. I don't know. I, look, I, okay. I've shared it. That's good. That's enough. Welcome to the episode. This is a Taylor Johnson podcast. I'm Taylor Johnson. Um, before we get started, before we move on to the interview or anything like that, let's give a call to my friend, Glendon. Hello? I sold 20 t-shirts. Wait, what? I sold 20 t-shirts. 
That's how you start a phone call, not how are you doing? No, I, I gotta. I just, I'm cutting to the chase. Let's get to the important. But what if stuff. I'm not doing good and I need to talk to you? <laughs> well, then it's weird that we're gonna do that on the podcast. Well, and it's also weird that I didn't call you if I need to talk about something. Okay, so yeah. you sold 20 T-shirts. So, uh, yes, a, a follow-up from last week. I made very stupid T-shirts on a very dumb bit that I do in my stand-up that involves a very ugly picture of me. I just made the picture. I just put that picture on a shirt, and I'm so I was I've been so scared that no one's gonna want to buy this dumb thing. And I went to a youth conference. I did stand up. I showed the shirt, and I sold twenty of them. There were like hundred and fifty people there, and I sold twenty shirts. And you know what? They weren't adults. There were adults who bought the shirt. Wow. Grown-ups, responsible I'm human waiting. beings. I'm, let me know when they go on sale because that's when I will buy one. No, I'll give you one. Oh, oh wow, okay. All right, Would man. you wear the shirt with my ugly face? In public? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> pause. You know what? How about this? I take a similar picture Make one a one off and send it to you. If you wear my face, I'll wear your face. Oh, I would do that one hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Okay, then never mind. No, no. Let's do this. Let's trade oh face shirts. No, no. Okay, maybe we have to. No, I'm not sure. What if we just got listeners, listeners to make shirts with their own faces on it and sent it to us, and then I had yeah, to wear yeah, yeah. it, and you had to wear it while recording a podcast. Or the next time I'm like on stage, like the next time I'm Ooh. speaking somewhere and I have yeah, to wear their face. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then everybody's like, oh, that's Sandy. Why is he wearing Sandy's face <laughs> on his shirt? That's a Sandy shirt. Um, yeah, and then you could sell those too. You could just have them <laughs> sign, sign a disclaimer and then be, sell those shirts. Oh, you're on to something, Taylor. What a horrible idea to begin with, and now it's terrific. Um, how are you doing? How have you been? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I did something this past week that I haven't done in over 30 years. What was it? Uh, I, I got an eye exam. <laughs> Wait, it's when's been that la- long? Yeah, when's the last time you had an eye exam? I think I was in high school. Okay, so you're about, okay. I don't think I was in high school. I was like a kid. Oh, why did you need one? Yeah, I think. My vision is getting bad. So I've got glasses now. What? Yeah, I've got glasses. Can you send me a picture of you wearing glasses? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'll put it on a shirt for you and send it to you. Thank you very much. Because I can't picture. I don't even know what you thought. Like, is it weird for you to look at yourself? Oh, yeah. And like the glasses look good in the store, but I'm not so happy with them now. So I'll send you a pic. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> They're thick too, man. They are thick. <laughs> so I'm. Oh, like, man. Those are thick. Yeah. I don't have good eyesight. That's wow. bad, man. Hey, I'm old, bro. I'm old. Yeah, so uh, you should do something next week that you haven't done in 30 years or 20 years since you're so young. Uh, okay. I don't even yeah. know what that would be. Well, it's something I haven't done in 20 years. Okay. All right. I'll try to think of yeah. something that I haven't done in 20 years, and I will do it. 
before the next time we talk. Okay. Sounds great, man. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right, bud. Bye. All right. Bye. Cut out the part where I said bud. <laughs> no. All right, let, let me know. You have to. No, it's okay. Are you against bud? I don't know. It just sounds weird. Like, why would I say bud? I don't know. I do that sometimes. All right. So when my book came out last year, In the Altogether, Trusting God with All We Hide from the World, it's available on Amazon, in case you were wondering. Uh, I did a book release event where I, it was called A Night of Vulnerable Christianity. And instead of just like being like a party or like a thing where I was on stage talking about myself the whole time or someone interviewed me, ugh, that, all, that all felt too weird to do. And so instead, I got a bunch of different speakers to come and to present on vulnerability and vulnerability in the life of a Christian and specifically in their own lives and to share stories and to talk about what they've learned. And it was a really great night. It was really incredible. And one of the speakers who shared is my guest in today's episode. Uh, Clayton Brooks, at the time of that event, was uh, the worship pastor at the Oaks Church in Red Oak, Texas. He, I think he was there for like 16 years, like a really long time. Uh, but now he has uh, moved on from that to kind of help train other worship pastors and to continue to pursue music on his own. During his time as the worship pastor at the Oaks, he uh, helped write and record several albums with the worship band there, as well as recording his own album that is available on the internet at all sorts of places. Uh, and he talked very openly about uh, vulnerability in his own life and ended with a song that he had just written called Something I Shouldn't Talk About. And it was a really incredible moment. It was really beautiful. And so I wanted to talk to him about that vulnerability in songwriting, um, in, in the music that he makes, and then specifically with that song, because I wanted you guys to hear that song too. I really enjoyed this conversation that we had together. I hope you enjoy it too. This is Clayton Brooks. How long were you a worship pastor and how long have you been writing music? Were they like hand in hand? Did you start one before the other? Did songwriting come later? No, I was thinking about that the other day because I had, when I was a kid, maybe junior high, early high school, I, the worship pastors at our church, they were awesome. I loved them. Don and Casey Jones. And um. One day we sang a song in church and I learned that uh, it had been written by Casey Jones. And um, it was a great, a beautiful worship song and very easy to sing along with. And I was like, wow, she wrote that? And I, I think up until that moment, I'd never thought about this before until just the other day, but up until that moment, I just thought, you know, the song writing and the song creation that happens somewhere and it comes to us and we get to participate with these songs. But for it to happen right there and there is the person who wrote it and created this moment of worship for everybody. I was really, I think that was a starting point for me mentally of I could write songs because I'm a musician and I like to sing, 
and maybe I could do that. And so the songwriting and those things, they came long before I was leading worship. How long until you start playing songs that you wrote in front of people? Within a couple years. Really? Yeah, I because I had been developing some uh, kind of on my own. And uh, my youth pastor, youth pastor came in in 2000, a new youth pastor, Dan Hunter, and his wife, Rachel. And um, she was, had been a worship pastor. And so at the time I had been leading worship in the youth group. Basically, I was just the lead singer, you know, but she came in and helped me understand what worship ministry was and what it could be. But then they dropped a seed of, hey, what if, what if we did a worship album? And, and this is crazy talk back then because nobody was doing it back then. This is like 2000, 2001. And so Hillsong, Shout to the Lord was a big deal, you know? Shout to the Lord. Still a good song, by the way. When they dropped that seed, it was like uh, kind of hard to fathom. How could we pull that off? What would we have to do? I had no idea where we would start, but they had some ideas. And so, but we needed songs. And so that was when I was like, I'll show you my songs. And I met, I sat at a piano one day and Rachel was there and maybe some other of the team members. And I played through uh, four or five songs that I had. And, um, and some of them were on the first album that we did, the seven captured, which is a a great album. I don't know if you'll find it on iTunes, but in the, I think it's the second track we covered King of Majesty. I don't know if you remember that song. Yeah, probably not. But we covered that song. And in the first two lines, I have a Royal voice crack. Oh no. It's just amazing. Oh, no. And that's saved forever. Forever. Yeah. And we didn't fix it, which is crazy (laughs) because we fixed a lot of things, but not that. So maybe, um, maybe I can play it through the speakers. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) And we can, we can show everyone who's listening what that sounds like because it's wonderful. Like looking back on the songs that you first wrote and that are on that album, what is your opinion of them now? Like, are you embarrassed of the songs? Or you're like, no, wow, these are actually pretty good. I don't, I think there are maybe a couple of them I'm not, I wouldn't push to anybody, but then there are a couple of them that I would say, no, I, I still think this is a good song. They sound old, just their progr- the, just the arranging of it. And we did the best arranging we could, but you know, it's nothing high professional. Yeah. It's, it's a very low budget and it's very much an attempt to, to have an album for people to listen to. That's, that was our own, but I think it was really great. And I know there are people cause they tell me that they still listen to it to this day. And I'm like, where did you find a CD player? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Anyways, so, I mean, it's good. It's, it's definitely worth the pursuit, the writing and the producing of these things, even if it's low budget, even if it's a little crappy. Um, 
it can be worth it because it can help. The nostalgia alone of it can be a very powerful thing, not just for me going back and listening, but for anybody who had to happen to be there or be around at that time or happen to get one of those albums. Uh, music has a way of bringing up memories or seasons and nostalgia. Uh, it can be powerful for people. Sometimes you don't want to bring up seasons and so you don't want to listen to certain songs. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of this person or something that happened back at the time when I was listening to that a lot. But then sometimes it'll take you back to a season that you miss and and um, it can be a powerful emotional experience. So it inspires me to keep creating and keep making stuff even if, even if I'm not like 100% proud of it, but keep releasing it. I feel like I've wrestled with my relationship with nostalgia because I think what can be a problem is when you're nostalgic for a certain time in your life, you just get so obsessed with like, it was better than it's bad now. Yeah. I don't want to live in what's now. I would much rather live in then. Mm-hmm. But like, if you can view it as like a short term time machine of like, let me go back and visit this moment, this yeah. memory, this feeling and see if there's anything worth taking with me to the future. Like sure. I bet a lot of people who, you know, listen to, that album when they were a student, you know, in youth, in high school, and maybe they had a certain relationship with God that was very close. And yeah. now a lot of stuff happens in life and you go back and listen to that. You want to be reminded of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and reminded of it and not in a defeated way of like, oh, it'll never be as good as it was when I was in youth. Yeah. But to view it as like, let's go back, let's look at it and let's take that back with me to yeah. the present, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, ugh. I could I could talk for a very long time about Disney World. I feel like that's one of the best <laughs> parts of Disney World is that like Walt Disney had a certain level of nostalgia for his childhood and for like the values of America at the turn of the century and like all these different things, but not like no part of Disneyland feels like everything sucks now. Right. It feels like here were the values, here were the themes, here were the things. Now and when you're still there. And and yeah. when you leave Disney World, you can take them with you mm-hmm. back to your life. Yeah. Which is like I feel like that is a that's a healthy nostalgia. There's two sides. There's the Uncle Rico side. Uh yeah. From Napoleon where he's like, "Don't you wish you could go back?" And this guy's living in his van out in the field. Which there's nothing wrong with living in your van. No, uh, some people but, have done that. No, and, and I guess he's having a great time, except he can't get out of the past. And he and he's not really doing much with his life. He's selling Tupperware, which is, again, if you have to do it, you have to do <laughs> it. But it, obviously, they're kind of making light of the situation of, here's people in this small town, and they haven't gone anywhere, haven't done anything. And then you get a glimpse of his thinking when he's like, oh, don't you wish you could go back? Man, I know if I was back on that football field, we'd take state or whatever he says. So there's that side of the coin, which it's funny to laugh at. But then the other side where I recently had did this exercise, um, somebody gave me like a, a life scroll. It's just a big piece of paper. Oh, okay. But I was like <laughs> so scared of what this is. It's just a big piece of paper and, and you write down every year that you've lived. So 81, 82, I was born in 81 and all the way up to the present. And you have, you know, three or four different quadrants of types of activities uh, on one side and then the years on the bottom. And you're just, you're just writing out um, little notes. This happened at this time. This happened at this time. This happened at this time. 
And some of them are positive, some of them are negative. That's the types of activities, you know. What was one of your favorite God moments? What was a life-changing moment? You know, you're getting your driver's license, getting your passport, getting going on your first overseas trip. Anyways, you make this whole life scroll, and the point of the exercise is to look back and just take a snapshot of your whole life. And um, so there's a lot of nostalgia involved in that exercise, but it's really powerful to see this is my life on one piece of paper. And you condense for me what's 38 years down into a piece of paper and see it all in a snapshot. And that may evoke certain feelings. Uh, maybe it's a depression type feelings, or maybe it's a very thankful gratitude. Maybe it's both. In some instances, it could be both where you're like, oh, I hate that this happened and this happened. But then again, look at where I am now and look at who I've become and all along the way, there was God um, helping me through these seasons and just seeing his fingerprints kind of through it all. Really powerful. So I think for some people, when they listen to music, they it, it takes them to moments. And, uh, and specifically for, like you said, for people in when Seven Captured happened, uh, hopefully it was a moment where they were really connecting with the Lord and they'll put that in their car and they'll be listening and it'll kind of take them back to that spot where they remember, man, that was a good time. And I haven't had a time like that in a while, you know, and, and it would evoke them in them feelings of, I got to get back to church. I got to get back to worship and being with friends and worshiping the Lord and all this. So it can be powerful. Do you have a nostalgia song? Do you have like a song that does that for you or like an album that like brings you back to like a really great Totally. Time in life? Lots of them. Uh, I, uh, uh, most people have forgotten who Carmen was. How dare they? <laughs> My first concert was a Carmen concert. Same here. My Three. second concert was a Gaither vocal band uh, oh, wow. reunion. I've thing. never had that experience. Well, <laughs> only in my my granddaddy's house uh, at Christmas when they're playing every homecoming uh, VHS yeah. that he has. But uh, no, Carmen, my first concert was Carmen and it was a free concert at some arena in, um, it was either here in Dallas or it was in Springfield, Missouri. We might've been visiting Dallas. I don't know. But, uh, he used to play huge. arenas. Like yeah, I saw him in an huge, arena for free. That's crazy. And he would take up offerings, and some of that would probably go to the Compassion whatever and whatever program, and then probably they would get paid through that. Yeah. But huge shows and lots of people, man. Like tens of thousands, maybe between ten and twenty thousand people. I don't know. That's a lot of people, and and. But when I hear, if I hear any Carmen today, which is rare, but sometimes I'll search it out, it will take me back to being seven, eight years old in Springfield, Missouri, in in the white station wagon, rain on the windows. I'm with my brother in the back seat. We're probably pushing each other and my parents, and we're driving home from church, you know. And it's just a moment where I would think I had a really good childhood, you know. I had a good family. I loved that moment, so. Carmen does it for me. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Carmen. If you're listening, I love you and I appreciate you, Carmen. If Carmen is listening, if I ever found out that Carmen listened to me, I think I would really freak out. Yeah. Um, Which is invitation. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Satan bite the dust. Look, all these great hits yeah. uh, that Carmen had where he would sing talk to us. Champion. About America. 
Yeah. And Jesus. America and Jesus. Yeah, he got into the uh, America theme. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I know a church that had Carmen come in in the Mm -hmm. last, might have been like 10 years ago. Oh, wait. How old am I? Yeah, maybe like 10 years ago. And uh, he requested a full band to be on stage Mm-hmm. to not play, but look like they're playing to match oh, wow. his track. Wow. And so I was asked, hey, are you going to be in town? Do you want to do this? And like to be in the band to, yeah, to <laughs> quote unquote, be in the band to pretend like I was playing guitar on stage for Carmen. Interesting. And I really wish I would have done it because yeah. that would be the greatest that, story to tell people. You have kind of a story right now. Yeah. But no, had you done it, that would have been a that would have been a winner. Do you ever write songs? Do you ever write songs that like are too raw to share? I have songs that I've written about, you know, struggles, not just sickness, but struggles with choices that I'm making. You know, just like any other human being, uh I have my struggles with things that are self-serving and that are not in God's plan and design for my life and that actually lead me down a path of destruction rather than a path of life. So when I know that stuff, but I still willingly choose the path of destruction, um, that's what I'm talking about. And so I've had songs in the in the past that I've written over time about that um, and some that I'm still trying to find a way to record and um some that I'm afraid to actually release to people or sing for people. And I've thought, why would I write a song about this? Except that maybe there is uh, something in it that's redeeming, you know? And so this song, uh, Something I Shouldn't Talk About, is one that I want to release this year. And um, that's the title, Something I Shouldn't Talk About. And it just means I've been, you know, I have stuff going on in my life but I feel like the world around me says, don't talk about that. And the problem with that is when you don't talk about that, that stuff really, it's easier for that stuff to just continue and continue. The more you hide and conceal and keep a secret, uh, the more it just grows inside of you. And as much as you think you can control the urges of the flesh, those things are uncontrollable without the help of God and the spirit in your life and also the ability to share it with other people and people that are going to love you and encourage you and and hold you accountable. So something I shouldn't talk about is all about that. It's trying to keep something a secret um, when you know that the answer really, or at least it's going to be beneficial to to actually let it out and share it. Because that's, that's the best part of, of when you're vulnerable in art or in writing or in, on stage that like, you're doing it so that the people out there don't feel as alone anymore. Yep. Like people are struggling with their own vulnerabilities and want to keep it hidden until they find out that somebody else got on stage and they shared that. Yeah. Holy cow. I'm not alone. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. And that, that being such like an important part of the church is that like, we are all, Dude, I hate High School Musical because it has ruined the phrase "we're all in this together." <laughs> because I feel like, and I've never, I've never seen that movie, but I just know. Do you know? 
I know that there was a period of time where I could not say that phrase without people starting to sing the song from that movie. Really? So I've tried I don't to know it either. <laughs> do you know you don't know the song? No. No, oh, there's a song about we're all in this together. Oh. People there's a dance. <laughs> people would always do it. Maybe that's just how old I am. Maybe no one will ever do that ever again. And I've just been so scarred by that one period of time. But whatever. <laughs> that like um that is what community should be built on mm-hmm. is this like mutual understanding of, hey, we all need Christ and we all need the cross. And why do we all need it? Because we're all broken and bad without him. Yeah. And if we can all admit that, then we can all talk about what's going on and then grow closer to him and to each other. Um, everybody, everybody wants a hero. Everybody wants somebody that's like perfect. Like you look at basketball players, they want to look at Michael Jordan or, or Kobe, right? And you look at golfers and they're looking at Tiger. Well, then Tiger has some issues, but even still, he's so great at golf and look at how he's coming back. And man, he's, he's like perfect golfer, right? And everybody wants this hero, but the reality is there's not one human being that it has a superhero status. Everybody is, is, you know, pretty wretched prior to Christ. <laughs> and, they're, the hero that we all should look at is Jesus. and um, But I think what helps us get there is, uh, or actually, let me say it differently. I think what pulls us away and distracts us from getting there is when we try to prop ourselves up as uh, somebody, some form of superhero perfection. You know, I ha- you know I'm not going to share my problems um, because... I don't want people to know about them because I want them to be able to trust me. And it's kind of a deception, a deception where uh, I trust you more when I hear the reality of what's going on, not the, the cover up. And I think by now we've had enough human history to know that uh, most of us can see through the cover ups and we know life isn't as perfect as it may seem yeah. for everyone. But when people come out and talk about the imperfections, it's definitely an encouraging, relevant thing where we all have a, a camaraderie about it. And I think it can do wonders for people. Uh, with this song, something I shouldn't talk about, you, you said like there was some like hesitation of like putting it out. Yeah. Because it feels like, like does, it, does it feel risky to like put out a song like this? Yeah, totally. Uh, risky in a sense that when I release this, I don't know how many people will hear it in the end, but everybody will have access to it. And, um, and so I just got to get over that of it's okay for people to know my story. I struggled with pornography all growing up, you know, and, um, it even made its way into my marriage in these later years. And so it's okay for me to share that with people. I, I think people are not so naive that they think that that's not really a big issue. <laughs> everybody knows that's an issue for everybody. And I'm pretty sure it is a multi-billion dollar industry Um and it's sad. And I think that the Lord is sad when he looks on that. But I think one of the hardest parts about that struggle is um, that it kind of has to happen in secret. And, and then you just feel 
so miserable at the thought of anybody knowing about that because it, it just feels less than human in a way. Or for some reason, you have no problem saying, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. I never did drugs, but maybe it's easier for someone to say, yeah, I was, you know, addicted to meth, you know, for these years, uh, or, you know, marijuana, whatever. Um, and you come out and share that, but now, you know, I've faced that and, and, um, God's given me victory over that. I don't know if that's worse or not, but for some reason, sexual things and things like pornography addiction, that feels worse for some reason. Yeah. If you put somebody up on stage to give their testimony and they used to be like a drug addict and a drug dealer and like, now I'm, I'm free. People will like lose their minds and applaud, but I can't imagine. I can't, I can't picture that happening in a service of like, I used to love porn so much. And like, (laughs) For people to be like, yeah, yeah, you're ref-. like, I, yeah, it feels like it feels grosser to talk about. Like, yeah. or people are more afraid to talk about that. I think because it's representation of an of an intimate thing, and obviously there's a lot involved that's very private about it. Whereas drugs is just a different battle, and it, and it, I guess I don't know. I don't want to say it's more well received as a testimony, but I think maybe. You hear that testimony more. You do. You you'd, like. I and mean, considering the fact that there's probably uh, a lot more people struggling with pornography than with drugs, would we say? Uh, oh yeah. And what's crazy is that the two things have very similar effects on the brain and on the body, but I think a lot of people struggle more with pornography than with drugs, um, and yet you hear the drugs testimony and you hear the. Um, whatever the alcoholism testimony. Um, but pornography is like a, it's a word that you don't really want to utter in church that much. Maybe once a year, if your pastor's brave Yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah, sure. Once a year, because that's how often people struggle with this. <laughs> it's like, maybe we should have some things more readily available for people that are facing this temptation on the regular. And it was different when I was a kid and I was introduced to it. It was, uh, hope I can find a magazine somewhere in the trash because I grew up in a Christian home. So where am I going to get pornography? You know, it's certainly not going to be on our television or our old uh, massive computer screens that we had with the huge deep box screen, you know, Um, and barely, we didn't even have internet back then. So it was, you had to find like a magazine. And today um, I could, I could get to it in like five seconds. Yeah. It's everywhere. With my phone in my pocket. Anyways, I know this isn't a podcast about pornography. <laughs> it's not about how to find pornography. No, it's not. But everybody knows you can get it easily and it's very invasive, very addicting. Um, and so it's worthy of being talked about, but it's it's hard to talk about. I, I, I mean, I like what you said about like more, we should have more stuff readily available to people. Like um, if you're an alcoholic, you have AA, you know, and you know that that's a thing that you can go to and it's not even related to your church or whatever. But like, if somebody comes to you and they're like, I'm addicted to porn. Like, I think the most that people would do is just like, all right, just stop it. Like, just, I don't know, don't do it anymore. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Garland Owensby, another episode of the podcast. And he said something that has really stuck with me. And I really love it so much about um, preaching holiness compared to preaching wholeness. 
that like sometimes it's easier to just preach holiness, which is like, just stop it. Just stop what you're doing. But preaching wholeness is often like, well, wait, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. What, what is in your life that is missing or is uh, not the way that it should be that is leading you to this? And maybe if we can address that deeper issue, then uh, holiness will be a whole lot easier. That's very good. I, I preached holiness to myself for years in the middle of that battle and it didn't work. You know, just saying no, just saying don't, uh, slapping yourself on the wrist, you know, or even even the holiness stuff that comes with the the accountability partner idea where it's like, did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, don't do it again. It's like Yeah, and then that, those conversations feel so bad that it's like, well, I'm just going to lie to that person because I don't yeah, want to feel bad anymore. Right. Or and and maybe that relationship doesn't even last where it's just, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore, you know. And um been through all of that. Uh what I I'll tell you what has helped me significantly is the wholeness. It's the well, what what is the good stuff? Like what does my life need? What does my body need? What does my mind need? What am I feeding on? Because if you're feeding on trash, you're going to feel like trash. One time I had this epiphany. It was make good choices and you'll feel good. Make bad choices and you'll feel bad. And as, and it was like, don't wait. Just make a good choice now. Maybe you made a bad choice five minutes ago. Make a good choice now. What's a good choice? And it's crazy how that works. Yeah. Just one good choice. Like, uh, what's a good choice? I should text my wife and tell her that I love her. Good choice. I feel good. Um, what's another good choice? I should sit down at the piano and and just run a few drills just to keep my fingers in shape. Good choice. What's a good choice? I should pray for my friend who's hurting. Great choice. You know, instead of what's a bad choice? Uh man, I'm feeling pretty exhausted. I'm going to sit and watch a couple hours of Netflix. Maybe a bad choice, you know, when you could have better choices. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I had that kind of like a different wording. I started to realize like, oh, I could either make it easier for myself to keep going or easier for myself to quit today. Like when I was training for my marathon, Mm -hmm. every day I could make the choice. Am I going to make it easier on myself I'm going to make it easier on myself on one way or the other, Mm. easier to keep going or easier to quit. Mm. If I decide I need to run, but I don't want to run, so I'm not going to, it's going to be a lot easier for me not to do that tomorrow. And then the next day, it's going to be even easier for me to like, ah, I'm not going to run today either. Or I can make it easier on myself to keep going by just saying, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do it today. And then that's going to, or eating healthier. I'm going to, okay, I know that I can't eat Chipotle every meal and run a marathon well. Wait, like, Chipotle is not healthy. Um, <laughs> uh, not not the way I do it. Brown right? Oh, <laughs> but I could I could make it easier on myself to keep going, or you know, in the same with like um, growing closer to Christ and 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 dealing with sin. Like every day, you're deciding what's going to be easier uh, to keep going or to to give up. Yeah, I think that maybe is the next iteration of what mine was. It's like a next level. Because mine is more of, um, it doesn't matter if you just screwed up, just make a good choice right now. Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to feel a little better. And then and then after a while, you got to keep going. Building yeah. on the good choices. Yeah. But I totally get the depth of, is, is am I making this easier to continue the way I want to go or easier to discontinue? And uh, I have experienced that time and time again. 
in the weight room when you're like, Oh, I thought that was something super spiritual, like in the weight, like in your the weight room. Oh, in no. the waiting room. Oh, no. in, at the gym, at the, the gym. gym, at the gym. When it's, when it's, uh, you're, you're, you're like, I'm going to start my workout plan. And then you get moving and you feel good after a few days, you're, you're being consistent. Then you miss a day and then you feel the next time you go in, how difficult it is to overcome missing a day. Yeah. It's the same in the, in the, the gym, the weight room, as it is with your prayer life. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. every morning and pray for 30 minutes before the day starts, good on you, go for it. Um, when you miss a day, the next day it's going to be that much harder. Uh, that that doesn't mean, you know, be depressed and like you'll never be a great prayer person. It just means <laughs> there's an acknowledgement of, I'm making these choices because, uh, because I'm thinking logically here, it's it's either going to be harder or easier for me one way or the other. But I simplified it to just one choice at a time. And that's been helpful for me in addition to the friends in my life, in addition to my wife, um, you know, being in the, in the struggle with me and being willing to encourage me and help me and pray with me and um, f- a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace. And uh, that is, those are the things, combining those things, the vulnerability, the friendships, the just making good choices that are healthy and then tasting the fruit of that on the other end. And then having a wife that is in on it with me, that is, that I can be honest with and that that I know is going to encourage me. All that combined, that's been my keys to victory over pornography. The good choices, um, choosing what's healthy. I mean, the, the tasting of the fruit of that, I like to think about how good life is when I live it God's way, mm. how good everything is. I mean, everything's not perfect. Bad things still happen, but man, am I a happier person? I'm happier as a husband. I'm happier as a dad. I'm happier as a human being that offers anything to the planet. Uh, when I do it God's way, when I make godly choices, it's so sweet. The fruit of that is so sweet. And, and so that helps me to remind myself of that on a daily basis. This fruit is sweet. The fruit that I used to taste in not just pornography, but in other choices um, of just like binging on entertainment and all these distractions and trying to find um, self-worth in the admiration of other people and and um, being fearful about whatever the future holds and all that, all those things, um, they leave a bad taste in my mouth. And I don't know, maybe it's just, it's a little too logical for somebody that's probably in the middle of it right now. Yeah, It's like, your logic isn't going to help me. I'm sorry. But I'm saying, um, make one good choice. Talk to your friends. Talk to Jesus. Um, build on that. And, um, and I think there is a path to victory. Great. That feels like a good place to end. Thank okay. you so much for doing this. Happy to. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I was just half a quarter of a century. Wide-eyed in the mystery 
introduced to me I sure didn't realize you had it out for me And you try to wreck everything I wish I'd never met you So long ago I knew nothing was So I am a very awkward person and like socially awkward that leans more towards a like, oh, I don't know what to say. And I would rather be quiet because I'm afraid I'm going to say something dumb. Like there's the other side. Like I'll have people come up to me after performances where I do stand up and I tell people like, I'm awkward. And then people come up and they're like, I'm awkward too. But they're, they're like intense, awkward. Like I like to make people feel weird. Like, oh geez. Okay. All right. I'm not, I'm the other side. I'm the like, I don't know what to say. Ah, I feel weird. 
And I have another friend who is also that way, who doesn't know how to handle a lot of social situations. This is something that we can bond together about. His name is Laban Massey. And I wanted him and I to do a segment on the podcast where we could help each other out, where we could bring awkward situations to each other to help us figure out, okay, how do you handle this? How do you navigate this awkward situation that some of us might experience in our lives? So we'll come up with solutions and then try to role play out how it would actually work. And so I sat down with Laban and I brought to him an awkward situation that he is going to face in life to see if we could figure out how to handle it. So this is me and Laban. So I wanted to throw out a, a situation to you and to see if there is a way to actually handle it well. Okay. How yeah. in the world... Cause and I'm I'm gonna start with a pretty tough one. I'm ready. I mean, I'm going to. You're fail. not ready. <laughs> All right. I, and this one, uh, this one specifically applies to you. Okay. Cause you're you're about to get married, right? Yes, I am getting married. How, I would say how many? I would say like everyone's invited, but I can't say that on the on the pod because not so a, that. Do, yeah, not. That's every, what this is about. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's the situation. <laughs> Foreshadowing. How do you tell someone that they're not invited to the wedding? Like, let's say that you're with a group of people and, and you maybe, you know, I don't know how far into the planning you are, but you guys decide that, oh, we're going we're gonna to be very specific about the yeah. people that we invite because we don't want it to be way too big. And so we got to be careful with who yes, is coming yeah. and who isn't coming. And you're with a large group of people and somebody makes a comment about like i can't wait to go to your wedding but it's someone that you are not planning on inviting how what do mm. you do what do you do in that situation hmm i think like there's a few different ways you can handle this situation right <laughs> but are any of them good <laughs> i think first and foremost like first like solution is like you just ignore their comment you just ignore it completely and act just like they pretend like it didn't. Yeah, happen? act like they didn't say anything, or it's either like don't say anything or just like yeah, and that's basically it. That's it. <laughs> but there's also like in this situation, you, do you really think that that like there is no way that goes well? But I because in their mind they're like, oh yeah, I am going. They looked at me with a deadpan look and went, yeah. Because I think if I'm not inviting them, that means we're already not super close. But then they put me in this tough situation where I have to think about it and be like, wait, are we actually kind of close so you can come to my wedding? But have you had people in your life who think that you're better friends than you think you are? Like, and they're, like you discover later on, like, oh, no, they think that we're a lot, a lot closer than I think that we are. No, I definitely think, I think there's people in my life that, our entire relationship revolves around just doing bits. And uh -huh. like the idea of like actually having a real conversation with them is like terrifying. What? Not terrif that sounds bad, but not terrifying, but like we just have this bit that we do. So like having like a real like asking them like how are you doing is like, oh no, <laughs> what do we talk about? We just have a bit that we do. Okay, but we're getting off topic. Yes, here. yes, yes. You're with a group of friends. Someone in that group says, hey, can't wait to go to your wedding, but it's someone that you were not planning on inviting to your wedding. What do you do? How do you handle it? 
Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna role play a little bit. Okay. So you, all right. You so be, you want me to be the person? You be the friend. And okay. We'll, yeah, you be the friend. I'll role play, and I'll just see what I do. Like this will be more natural. Okay. Yeah. Me. Gut reaction. Yes, gut First reaction. thought. Let's just see without any planning. Yeah. Knee jerk. How would you handle this? We're in a group. We're talking. Oh yeah, man. Next year's gonna be really crazy. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I got a lot of cool stuff planned. Oh, Laban, dude, I can't wait to go to your wedding, man. It's gonna be so exciting to get to go to that. Yeah, we've been planning it for a while. Um. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's going to be so cool to be there and get to like, I don't know, see you guys take that huge step. It's going to be awesome. When when you guys when are you guys sending out invitations? Yeah, we're working on invitations right now. I mean, we're going to we have to like uh we have to decide like who we're inviting still. We're still working on the guest list, but uh Oh. But like I'm I'm going, right? Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> You've lied. You've lied to this person. Also, it would be even worse if you did say "Oh no" out loud the moment you lie to look at someone and say "Yeah." Oh no! no. <laughs> there to has, just let to just. I'm really. I'm this. honestly struggling with this situation. I don't know what to do because I feel like I could. This is going to happen yes. to you. Do you know this? I know this is gonna. Ha- I really have not thought this hard about it. Because like, hmm. Because like the the normal thing would be like, yeah. Well, we only have a certain number of people we can invite, but that also is so mean to that person to be like. Right. But I think that I don't know what else to do. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like it has to be, like, really diplomatic. But also, like, I, I, maybe you don't maybe you don't address it in the group. Because, like, with all these other people around, maybe that's not good. No. You know? But to but then it's weird to, like, no, pull them I can't aside pull later. Them, that's what I was saying. I can't pull them. I'm saying, like, hey, we got to talk about this because you're just not invited to the wedding. <laughs> like, I know you think we're good friends, but... We just do bits. Like, I've never actually talked to you. <laughs> I don't want you to yeah. see this magical day in my life. I don't want you to witness the, something this important to me. You're just a bit person. <laughs> you just do... J- You're just a joke to me! <laughs> you just do jokes with me, bro. That's all you do. Um. Okay, all right. Okay, well, let me think. Let me think. Let me try to help you out. What do you do in this situation? You're in a group... All right, you let's do let's do gut reaction. Let me let's let me try a gut reaction. Okay, okay I'm gonna. So you're, oh wait, so I'm you, you. Okay, you're me in this. Okay, so well, I can be me. Let's just pretend that somehow I am getting married. Okay, so yeah. that way you don't have to call me Laban. You can call me Taylor. Okay, right. I'll call you Taylor. We're in a group. Yeah. Oh, man. No, you know what? I just love this group that we have here. We are so tight, and we have so oh. much fun together. And yeah. it's just like we're all like. We're all like growing up. We're all going our own paths. Uh, Jenny, she's like, she's getting a horse soon. And Taylor, yeah. Taylor, you're getting married. And that's just awesome, dude. And dude, I cannot wait to come to the wedding. Like, that's going to be so epic. It's oh, just... man. I, you know what? Dude, I don't know if we're going to have room. If Jenny Horse is going to be there, <laughs> there might not be room to invite you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, I got to see you guys later. I'm going to get out of here. Well, you're inviting and a, you just You're inviting you a make horse. a joke. <laughs> no, I'm out. I ran away. I ran away. I made a joke about a horse. You gave me an out, and then I'm I really did. I made it too, away. I made it too easy for you. Yeah. I couldn't, I, couldn't ha- I couldn't help myself. I had to make a horse joke. It was just... I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that is my approach 
I, that might not be a good thing, but like to say what you really mean, but say it as if it's a joke. Yeah. And, and then just change the subject of like, oh, I'm going right. Like, I don't think so. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, because like, it's like so ridiculous. If you say it so bluntly, it seems ironic. Yeah. Like, oh, of course he wouldn't just come right out and say it like that. Ha ha ha. And then we move on. And then it's not until later that you discover, oh no. I did not invite them. <laughs> I did not invite them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think there's, but, I think there's a similar situation to this that happened in real life. That this is going to be your. Real I know, life. but this also have. This is kind of a deep cut, but this happened with Drake and Josh, the two Nickelodeon stars. Drake was not invited to Josh's wedding. How do you think he handled that? Well, they're brothers. I mean, TV wait, brothers, but Drake. Wait, what is okay? It? Who wasn't invited to which one? So Josh got married, and Drake did yes. not. And Josh didn't invite Drake to the wedding, and they're TV oh, brothers. Yeah. But that's a job. Okay, fine. That's just I'm like just, a work friend. I'm trying to defend myself by using f- fake Nickelodeon characters. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. Let's try. Let's try this. Let's role play this again. And and let's instead of in a group, it's just you and me one on one. And I want you to try to bring up Drake and Josh as your way of explaining why I am not invited to your wedding. Okay, yeah, that works. So <laughs> you have to incorporate this new information. You have to use it as an illustration to get your point across. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I come up to you. Hey, man. Um, yeah. What's up? I've been talking to. Everybody else, and uh, I know that you sent out your invitations for your wedding, and I, I haven't gotten mine yet. Am, am I not invited to the wedding? <laughs> Man, we were having some... Did you just laugh at me? Well, no, I'm doing Did like... Did you just <laughs> laugh in my face? We're do- we were doing, we're doing like... Uh, the mail has been kind of tough. Like, we've had a few people tell us that, you know, but it kind of reminds me of like, you in the news, you know... There was like this whole thing about like, because I kind of consider us to be kind of like Drake and Josh from the show Drake and Josh, and how like Josh didn't invite Drake to the to his wedding, and it's kind of like that with us in the show in real life in the show. I think they were just normal brothers, real life not brothers, but that's kind of how Dude, I. I've s- never, I've <laughs> never seen that show. Well, I'll send you. I can send you a, the the volume one DVDs if you want, so you can. Are you going to send it in the mail? Because apparently the mail isn't working that well. I'll just send them on. Uh... Yeah, I'll send them over the mail. Maybe I'll send an invitation with it. But maybe I think You're... I uh, got to go watch. Dude, am I invited to the wedding or not? <laughs> I honestly got to go watch some Drake and Josh right now. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some iCarly later. So I'm going to peace out. But wait, dude, you didn't answer my question. Am I invited to your wedding? Hey, you want to watch me do the robot real fast? Oh shoot! Oh shoot! And then I run away. All right. Well, I feel like I feel like maybe you need to start. Maybe you need to spend some time thinking about this because this is going to happen to you. Yes, you. I'm ready. You're going to have people who are not. Hey, Laban, am I invited to your wedding? Well, wait. Am <laughs> I? Am I invited to your wedding? Ah, uh, sure. You heard it here first, folks. If I if I am not at this wedding now, um, we're gonna start a grassroots effort to uh, sabotage the wedding. Hey, congratulations on getting engaged. <laughs> hey, thank you. I appreciate it.
And just like that, we are at the end of another episode. We did it, folks. We made it. We're here. We're all together. I hope you made it to the end. I hope you, I hope you didn't turn it off. Um, if this is your first time listening, hey, welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, please subscribe. Uh, there's a new episode every Sunday morning, and it's like this. This is like what the show is like. This is how it goes every week. Uh, a big thank you to Clayton Brooks for being a part of the show, for being open and sharing, as well as letting me share that song. I really think it's so beautiful. And if you've enjoyed this, please go check out Clayton's music on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere that you find music. Also, thank you to Laban Massey for being a part of the show. Laban actually has a podcast of his own with his brothers called The Good Brothers Show. That's available on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you to Lucky Star for the use of the song Shake Your Body. And thank you to Jordan Combs for the use of his two songs off of the Quartet's EP. Both of those are available on the internet. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review on iTunes. That helps out so much. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, ideas for future episodes, hey, you know what? Email me. Email me at taylor at taylorjohnsononline.com. But that's it. We're at the end. It's over. I will see you next time. Good night, everybody. Or good morning. <laughs>